schizophrenia, eating disorders, addictive behaviors, and depression. Studies show that suicide is the third leading cause of deaths in youth up to 24 years of age. And over 90% of those who commit suicide suffer from some type of mental illness. And out of all the illnesses you can have, depression is the leading cause of suicide in youth up to 24 years of age. These illnesses have the ability to make those who struggle feel alone and trapped. Internally, we hurt and we fight, while on the outside we try and hide what's really going on. And a lot of times we try and handle this on our own. You need to know that you cannot fight this on your own. It's sad to say that only 20% of youth and young adults living with mental illness have been identified and receiving the health care they need. This is a tragedy. If you are struggling with depression, anxiety, an eating disorder, or any other type of mental illness, you need to know that you are not defined by what you struggle with. You are defined by God's love for you. And he sees you as valuable and worth dying for. You also need to know that there is help. Talk to someone you trust today and let them get you the help you need. And even though you may feel and think that you are broken and beyond repair, you must know that you are loved. And there is hope. this horrible dream that this didn't work. It's working. <laughs> this is a day that we are joining with literally thousands, if not tens of thousands, of churches and, and houses of faith across our nation. September 10th, Tuesday, is World Suicide Prevention Day. And so um, they're calling this weekend um, the National Weekend for uh, a Prayer for Faith, Hope, and Life, and today, the National Day, as churches all over um, pray for those who have been impacted by suicide, for those who are struggling. And so we're joining with that today, with all of those, and I would like you to, to bow your heads as we pray. Father, um, even as we watch that video, um, we know that um, the struggle is real. Um, we know that... Um, a majority of people in this room have been impacted in one way or another by suicide. And we know, Father, that there are many who struggle with this. We know that um, the impact on the lives of those um, friends and relatives is great. And we would ask, as churches all over this nation are today, that you would be the God who comforts and the God who heals and that we might be the kind of place that could help provide that hope and that healing. And so, God, we would ask that you would bring comfort and strength to anybody that's living with depression or anxiety or, or bipolar disorder or any, any other mental illness. And I ask, God, that you would reassure them that their pain and their suffering matter to you. 
and it matters to us, their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we ask for your love, your comfort, your grace, your healing in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I want to remind you that as a church family, we will do everything we can to support you and your families um, in, in any of this. Um, I am very excited. We mentioned this a little bit ago. I'm very excited that we are working towards um, our mental health ministry here at Journey North and, and starting um, a mental health community, which will be a, a once-a-month thing on a Sunday. I'm just really excited about that. And I kind of wanted to, I wanted to help make the motivation a little clearer. So this is a very short part of my message today, but it was actually the, it was, it was the hardest part to prepare for. You hear, if, if you've been in Celebrate Recovery, if you haven't, you need to be, but if you have, if you have or, or most kinds of re- recovery programs, you've heard this line, you're only as sick as your secrets. That goes for individuals, but it's true for families too. The family that I grew up in, way long time ago, my family, my family had secrets. My family was very good at hiding the truth. They wouldn't always call it lies, but they were very good at hiding the truth. I have vivid memories growing up as a very young child, spending much time with my Aunt Ruthie. Aunt Ruth was the fun aunt. And I cherished the time that I had with her. I had a blast over there. But all, for, for decades, I had these memories of spending so much time there, and it just didn't make sense because she's not my mom, but I was over there all the time. I found out only a few years ago why I spent so much time at my aunt's house. It's because my mom had been hospitalized numerous times for sometimes extended periods of time for what they called back then a nervous breakdown. And hearing some of the stories within the last few years, it's like, how did I not know that? But a whole bunch of pieces started coming together. I, I, I began to think back and, 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 from my perspective now, be able to recognize the struggles that my mom had. And my dad, along with his own issues, um, his coping mechanism was to retreat, to, to work or whatever. And he would work long hours and, you know, come home to sleep and then go back to work and just basically use it as an escape. Both my mom and dad, because of the mental illnesses, also struggled with addictions to medications. And I knew none of this growing up. I just knew that things were broken. I didn't know why. For a long time, I assumed it was normal. But I didn't understand, literally until the last few years, what was going on. And because of my mom's issues and my dad's issues and their struggle with addictions, they were not present often. Hence, my Aunt Ruthie, which I am eternally grateful for. It also had significant financial consequences for us. 
um, whole nother story about what the things that they struggled with did to our household in terms of finances. Um, but the bigger pain for me was it left me struggling for years. It left me struggling for decades, haunted with fear and loneliness and um, struggling with anxiety and depression because of it. When I surrendered to God and came to Jesus, I thought all of my problems would go away. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I thought they would. But it certainly did not solve my problems immediately. But spending time daily with God for decades, by taking faith steps in obedience to Him, regardless of how scary it might be, by having the support uh, of a loving church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, the depression and the anxiety began to have a little bit less of a hold on me. By speaking God's truth instead of believing the enemy's lies, by taking the faith steps through that journey, I began to experience more and more hope. I believed too many lies. I needed to know the truth. And over time, that's what allowed me to love and accept and forgive the way I needed to. It's a journey. It's not something that changes instantaneously. But it's a journey, as you saw in there, that we have to do together. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what the hope circle is. And before we jump into that, I, I know it's a little heavy. So I need to lighten it up a little bit, just for a moment. We're talking about hope today. Why do you think I have this jersey on? Because hope springs eternal. Just don't call me at 3 or 4 o'clock and ask me about hope. We don't want to know about that. I have another example of hope that's good, though. I actually mentioned it last week. It's an example that serves two different things. It's one that serves to, to show there is hope. But last week, um, when we talked about investing our time, talent, and treasure and how God always rewards us, um, and I said, uh, in the message, I said, God doesn't always reward us the way we think, but he always does. And immediately I thought of something, but I didn't want to share it last week, so I'm going to share it. We have, um, as a family, we have um, done what we can to be generous. We, and we have tithed faithfully, and God has rewarded us in so many different ways. He never just, like, gives us money. He never does that, which I'm glad for. Because the way he does demonstrates that it's him. One way he does that you might not think is a real big deal is he does some miraculous things. Um, and I showed you one of them last year. I'm going to show you another one this year. Go ahead and put the next video up. It's about 15 seconds. Don't worry. It's not long. This is my 2002 Suburban. And you'll notice that it's about ready to have a miracle happen. 300,000 miles. God has literally done that for us more times than I can count. That he has had things, and I thought of that this past week in my reading. I'm reading on the children of Israel. They wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, and their clothes didn't wear out. So I've driven a suburban 300,000 miles. I want to say it hasn't worn out, but it's, it's kind of worn out. But God has done that in a very miraculous way, and it brings hope to me because literally I can look at that 
and I can say, God cares. There is hope. He provides. So we're going to talk today about the hope circle. It's on the, the cover of your um, the bulletin, the worship folder. This is a pathway, and there's also an outline inside that you can follow along with and um, take some notes on. This is a, a pathway, as I said. It's a, it's a journey. You don't make some decision, and all of a sudden, you have hope. This is based on five truths that combat five of the biggest lies we believe. And, and I, am, I am fairly certain that as we go through these lies, every single person in here will, will, will kind of resonate with at least one of them. I have, and still do sometimes, resonate with all five of them. But they are lies. And we have to know what the truth is behind them. So I'm going to walk through those very quickly. This is what our, our Hope for Mental Health ministry will be based on, is these five truths. But I'm just going to walk through these very quickly and, and hope that if any of these touch you or someone you know or love, that you will be able to see that that's a lie. Here's what the truth is. Here's the first one, the first big lie that we hear. I hate myself. I hate myself. It could be because of a thousand different things. It could be because of the things that you've heard over and over growing up. It could be because of what somebody else has told you. It could just be because you're struggling with something and that's what your, your thoughts go to is, oh, I'm horrible, I hate myself. Here's what you need to understand. Here's what God says about you. You are loved. You are loved. You're loved here at this church because we love, but we love because he loved us first. It tells us in 1 John 4.10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's why we can love. That's why we can love each other. That's why we can love God because he loved us first. He didn't wait till you made the right decisions. He said, you don't know how much I've screwed up. I do a little bit. God knows it all. And he still loves you. He loves you enough that in the middle of that, he sent his son to die for you so that you could experience that love and you could experience that hope. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You need to understand that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. In fact, I think literally that is the key to much of life, to coming to understand how much God loves you. You'll never understand it fully, but the more you understand how much God loves you, the more everything else starts to fall into place. So when those words come to you in your head, I hate myself, you need to stomp those out, take them captive and say, no, I am loved. That's what God said about me. Another big lie that we hear that causes people all kinds of trouble is, I don't matter. It's, it's just me. I don't have anything to bring to the table. I don't matter. And that could not be farther from the truth. I understand those feelings. I understand what it is to think that. But the truth that God tells us is that you have a purpose. Every single one of you has a purpose. And when you hear that lie, I don't matter, it's just me, God made you unique, you have a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, many people's favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. 
They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that was true for Israel back then, and it's true for you today. He has plans for you, so I don't know what they are. You've come to the right place. We will all help you discover that as we discover ours together. Because we have a purpose. When, when you hear that, that's the enemy telling you you don't matter. Because you do matter. You have a purpose. And there is, there is very few things. There are very few things greater in life than discovering why God put you here. And being able to live in that. So I hate myself is a lie. You are loved. I don't matter is a lie. You have a purpose. The third thing of the five biggest ones we hear is this. I don't fit in. I hear that all the time. I don't fit in. It's like, yeah, you might not (laughs) fit in everywhere. But it's pretty hard to say that here. Everybody fits in here. But the truth is, the truth is not I don't belong. The truth is you belong. You do fit in here. You fit into God's economy of things through a local church. And it may be true that you're struggling. You say, I just really don't fit in at Journey North Church. Well, maybe you don't. Then find somewhere you do. We're not in competition with the other gospel preaching churches. You need to find because you do, you are a part of things. Here's what Romans 12, 4 and 5 says. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. You know, your hand and your foot do different things. You know, your nose and your ear do different things. It's not like one's more important than the other. They're all important. He said, we have many parts. Each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And here's the most important part. We all belong to each other. So I don't know what part you are. We could really get weird with that right now, but we're not gonna. But here's what I know. All the parts are necessary. Your part is necessary. And you might think it's not that big. They don't fit in here. If you don't do your part, that part doesn't get done or it gets by, get done by somebody who's not as good. So you do belong. So when you hear that lie, I don't fit in. Most people don't think church. They just think life. I don't fit in. I'm a loner. I understand those feelings. I struggled with them for a long time. But I know because God says so that I belong and that you belong. So we don't listen to those lies. Here's the the fourth one. And this is sad. Um, But again, I understand this completely. I want to give up. I've talked to many, many people who have gotten to that point. They've struggled with many of these other things. And it's kind of called the hope circle because it, it can progress. And when it gets to this, I want to give up. That's when way too many dark, th- dark, dark thoughts start happening. And it's easy to look at those things and say, I really hate myself, I don't matter, I don't fit in, and I want to give up. But that's a lie. That's a lie that we hear and that's a lie that we tell ourselves. And the truth that God tells us is you have a choice. It's your choice. Can you give up? Yeah, you can. And then there's no more hope. But you can recognize, I have a choice. 
It's more than just what I see and feel in this moment. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts. The verse before that talks about God speaking light into existence and creating light and, and coming, Jesus even, coming in at, to the world as the light of the world. And he talks about this light because bad things happen in darkness. When we get into a dark place, that's bad. And he says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. See, the key is not on the outside looking in. The key is finding Jesus and realize that he wasn't the one that was lost. You were. And he'd been looking for you all along. And when you accept the fact that he came and lived and died for you, and that what he did on the cross paid for your sin, you become a child of God, and that light, he says, is now shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. That, that dichotomy that we struggle with, we have the light of the universe shining in us with power that raised Jesus from the dead, but we're a bunch of broken clay pots, easily cracked, but that's how it works. And he says, it's that way as we contain this great treasure, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So when somebody sees what can be accomplished by letting that light shine through the cracks, that's a great thing. They see that's from God, that's not from us. And the truth is, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have that light in you, you have a choice. You don't have to give in to the darkness. You don't have to let those lies overtake you and, and bury you again. So when you hear that in your head, I want to give up, say, nope, I have a choice. I don't have to do that. And the fifth one is, I feel useless. I just feel useless. And I know that many people struggle with this at various times in their life. Something happens or something doesn't happen, and it's really easy to think, why am I even here? I'm just taking up space and breathing air that somebody else could use. I feel useless. Here's the truth. You are needed. Every single one of you, you are needed. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. When things are going bad, when life is not going the direction you hoped it would, God is the source of the comfort that you need. And verse 4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles. But there's a, a so that... There's a reason for that. It's not just so that you can be comfortable. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. There's nothing better than finding you're struggling with something and you need help and you need hope and to be able to talk to somebody who says, you know what, there is hope. I've been there. And I want you to know what God can do. It won't happen overnight, but I want you to know what God can do. 
That's what happens every time we hear a testimony at CR. We realize it doesn't matter how far down things have gotten. There is hope. There is hope. And you are needed. So whatever you're in the middle of, God wants to bring comfort to you. He does that sometimes personally. He does that most of the time along with other people bringing comfort to you. And the reason is so that after you've gotten past that enough, when there's somebody else that needs comfort, you can come alongside them. It's not because you have amazing words of wisdom. That's not what they need. That's not what you need when you need comfort. You just need someone to put their arm around you and know that they care and that there is hope. So I hate myself is a lie. I mean, you might believe that, but the truth is you are loved. And when you think I don't matter, you do matter because you have a purpose. And when we think I don't fit in, the truth is I belong. I haven't found out where I fit in yet. That's what I need to discover. And when you think I want to give up, you need to recognize there's a choice and there's a better choice. And if you feel useless, you need to understand that you are needed. Because the thing that God uniquely created you to do, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And everybody misses out. See, God wants his children to be healthy in every area of their lives. You know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He wants us to be healthy. We can learn from it when we're not. But in order to be mentally healthy, we have to focus our mind on the right things. I've said this many times. Your mind is your greatest asset. It's also the greatest battleground. We've looked at these things in detail many times in different contexts because it is so important what we think. So this is just a flyover, but I want to give you three things that if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to focus on in order to increase your mental health. And I think most people in here would say, I would like to increase my mental health. So here's how you do it. Three things that you have to focus on that you have to think about. Here's the first one. Think about Jesus. If you're in church and somebody asks a question, that's usually the right answer. (laughs) Think about Jesus. You've heard the saying, you become what you think about most. If you want to become more like Jesus, you have to fill your thoughts with him. You have to be thinking about him. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, and the therefore is chapter 11 where it talks about all those great, uh, the hall of faith, all the heroes, all this stuff. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a a huge uh, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, those people that have gone before living that life, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips, trips us up. And here's what he's talking about. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I learned something interesting as I was looking at this this week. Um, When it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The word race, um, the the Greek word for that is, it's transliterated, it would be A-G-O-N, like agon. And we get the word agony from it. What he's saying is, let us run with endurance the struggle that is before us. The race that's put before us, the path, the journey, the struggle that's put before us, he's telling us right up, it ain't going to be easy. 
and yours is different from everybody else's because he doesn't say run with endurance the race that's set before the guy next to you. He says the race that God set before us. I run the race he set before me. You run the race he set before you. And here's how we do this. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It comes from him, and it's made complete in him. And the only way we are able to do that is to continue to keep our eyes on Jesus, to fix our eyes on him, to think about Jesus constantly. My, I talk about Jesus a lot, and you know why? Because I think about him a lot. The more I think about him, the more I talk about him, Lord willing, the more I become like him. And the better I will be mentally when I think about Jesus. Here's the second thing. Think about others. We think about others. It says in Philippians 2.4, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. That does not mean to be a busybody. It does not mean, oh, I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> I'd like to tell everybody what they're doing. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying, don't just focus on yourself and all your stuff. Think about other people. Focus on other people. Do you realize how countercultural that is? Our world teaches us to think about ourselves and nobody else. Look at yourself. If you don't, nobody else will. Jesus, though, was countercultural. And when you think about him, you will more naturally think about others. So if you want to increase your mental health, you think about Jesus, you think about others, and there's a third thing that you think about. Now, growing up, I was told, here's what I was told, it's joy, J-O-Y. You think about Jesus, others, and then you. I've learned that's wrong. I don't need to put myself on the list. I naturally go to that way too often. I don't need to be on the list. Here's what I need to think about. Jesus, others, and this is so important. I could never overemphasize the importance of this. Think about eternity. Think about eternity. 2 Corinthians 4 says this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. You're all going through something right now. And it would be very easy to focus on that thing. And when you focus on what you're going through, it doesn't usually end as well. And it's not as pleasant a journey. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Everything you're worrying about now will be gone. Eventually. But the things we cannot see will last forever. There are things, we talked about this last week, there are things that will last forever. How do we focus? What do we do with that? Here's what he's talking about in the next verse. He says that. For we know, when he's talking about the eternal things that will last forever, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, he's not talking about your house. It says that is when we die and leave this earthly body. This is your earthly tent. It's called a tent because it's not very permanent. 
when it's taken down, when we die and leave this earthly body, we, if we are a follower of Jesus and have claimed him as Lord and Savior, we will have a house in heaven. That's an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. I, for one, am looking forward to that immensely as this one starts to hurt more and accomplish less. I'm looking forward to that one. But we're, we're in that now and not yet phase. We don't give up what we have because there's only a limited time to prepare for where we're going. But when you start focusing on truths of eternity and truths of heaven, here's what I know. The things you're going through right now, your problems now will seem inferior compared to glory. You'll see them for the temporary thing they are. And, and, and you'll see the joy and the pleasure of the things awaiting us in heaven and eternity. So ask God to help you make the choice every day. Feed on God's word. Free your mind from those destructive thoughts. Fill your mind with Jesus and with others and with eternity. And you are on your way to winning the battle. When we do that every day, we move toward that. You can't do that tomorrow morning and say, it didn't work. <laughs> over and over and over, just like Jesus, coffee, repeat. When, when we look back, we see what he's done. You see, you can survive, some of you will argue with this, 40 days without food. You're thinking 40 minutes, maybe. <laughs> But you could survive. I could survive longer, actually. You can survive three days without water. You can survive eight minutes without air. But you cannot last a second without hope. It's an essential part of life. When hope is gone, life is over. People everywhere are looking for hope. But they're looking in all the wrong places. They're looking for it in relationships. They're looking for it in, in, in self-help books, in religion, you know, and I know people looking for it in, in just being self-righteous, you know, I'm good, you know. There is only one place that you can find real hope. The Bible says real hope is found by turning to God. Here's what it says in Romans 15. May God, notice what it says, the source of hope. That's where it comes from. If you're looking for it anywhere else, you're not going to find it because that's the source. He is the source of hope. May He fill you with joy and peace through your faith in Him. That's taking those faith steps. That's spending that time with Him. That's getting to know Him better. When you do that, He can fill you with joy and peace. It says, then you will overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what he wants from each one of us. And the reason he wants you to overflow with hope is not because of you. It's because of the people around you who need hope. Just like he gives us comfort so that we can give them comfort, he wants to give us hope so that we can overflow with hope to those around us. We live in a society that is very quickly losing hope. We live in a community that is way further off that scale than most places are. For people who are losing hope. 
you need the kind of hope that he has to offer. And it's only available through a relationship with Jesus. It's the only way you can get it. When you trust in him, the Holy Spirit works in you to begin to fill you with hope. Hope that God's in control, that he loves you, that he's working for your good. That kind of hope will lift you from despair. And I know from experience it can give you a little room to breathe. September 10th, Tuesday, is World Suicide Prevention Day. And my um, ask of you would be that today and on Tuesday that you would be specifically praying for those people and those families who have been impacted by suicide and that it would be something that we as a body of Christ could join with others in the faith community to be able to offer hope, that we will be here for people, that we will be able to offer the faith, the hope, and the life. If you're struggling today, you are not alone. There are always people ready to talk. In fact, there's a number. Go ahead and put that number up on the screen. You might want to write that number down on your thing. 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. 24 hours a day, seven days a week when somebody's struggling and they feel like they're losing hope. Before they make a decision that will alter their eternity and everybody else's life around them, that's the number to call. There's always somebody there. And I would say that anybody in this room right now, for any reason, you need prayer? You, you say, I would like to meet Jesus. I tried the religion thing, doesn't work. I would agree with that. I tried the, the rules and regulations and all that stuff, doesn't work. But you're saying that a relationship with Jesus works. I want that. Maybe you've never experienced that and you'd like that today. Maybe you're just struggling with someone and you'd like to say, them to say a word of prayer with you. If you need prayer for any reason, there are people in a few moments who are waiting and ready to pray with you. So starting in a moment, I'm going to pray. And starting as I pray, and as we sing the closing song, I'm going to ask you to make your way toward that, I'm sorry, the hot blonde by the door there in the Vikings jersey. <laughs> Go, <laughs> go through those, go through that door. There will be people there that will take you somewhere private that they can pray with you. Um, as, we're, as I'm praying, as we're singing, um, that would be the easiest time. But just make your way back there um, and there will be people waiting to go and pray with you. So um, let me close in prayer. Father, we know that there are many, um, not just across this world and nation, but in our community and even in our, our church, who are struggling. And I pray, Father, that they would not be struggling with the lies, that they would be able to um, uh, understand, to accept, to know, and to live in your truth, to experience that hope. We again, Father, pray for those people who have, um, their families and lives have been impacted by suicide. That there, there in this community, um, that there, is, there is such an overwhelming um, issue that nobody talks about. And I just pray, Father, that we and other communities of faith that preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus in, that area, in this area would be beacons of hope and of light and of grace. And I ask, Father, that we would be people who hope overflows in to those around us who need it. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
What a perfect song to close on. You are loved. Have I told you lately that I love you? I'm not the only one. Look around. You have a purpose. You belong. You have a choice. You are needed. And you need to think about Jesus. You need to think about others, and you need to think about eternity. And to do that, we're starting a new series next week on heaven. It's always one of my favorite topics to dive into. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care if anybody gets anything out of it. I love <laughs> studying about heaven. So if you need prayer for any reason, make sure you make your way to that back room. People are ready to pray with you. And if you were baptized a couple weeks ago, we actually put the videos from the webcam, from the camera, and the slideshow last week on a DVD. So if you were baptized and you want one of those, um, see Julie. If we run out, we'll make more. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for demonstrating that by sending Jesus, that we could experience your love, and because of that, we could experience hope. I pray, Father, for anyone struggling now, that you would be the comfort to them personally and and through us as the body of Christ, that they may too experience that hope. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I know I will raise you.